Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he plays. Oh, he's going to Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Rogers, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we've got Ishmael Johnson over here. Ish, how you doing? Hey, man. Back to just the two of us for this week. Yeah, just <laughs> for this week. Just for this week. Mallory's got... Uh, <sighs> other job stuff i guess i don't know i thought that we were the only thing that she did uh, yeah that, i don't know i don't know that's what i was that. told but you know <laughs> i need to speak to a manager about this <laughs> <laughs> yes yes but uh yeah just me me and ish back to the back to the olden days i guess right so uh yeah let's go ahead and get right into it we got a lot to talk about this mm-hmm. week so start off with this ap top 25 just came out Number one, Alabama. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Clemson. Number four, Ohio State. Actually, I just pulled open the AP website, and they Mm -hmm. have a four next to Oklahoma for some reason, even though they're second. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at that, too. (laughs) That's funny. All right. Hey, I'm not the web editor of the Associated (laughs) Press. It is not my problem. But uh, any surprise? And and just so people know, Texas A&M, number six. Uh, they are the only te- the first team outside of teams that got a first place vote. Uh, Georgia also number five got got three first place votes. Texas A&M number six. Iowa State seven. Cincinnati eight. Notre Dame nine. North Carolina ten. And also Texas twenty one and two teams receiving votes. I was a little surprised. So TCU, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. The other team receiving votes is Houston. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't understand that. <laughs> And I believe there were. I believe it was the San Diego. Yeah, or it, San it's Jose. John Wilner. John Wilner okay. is actually the only person who gave Houston a vote. Right. Um, he gave them a twenty-first place vote, so that's worth five points. Sure. And John Wilner is known for being kind of a weirdo mm. when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, we could have a bigger discussion about what kind of writer has an AP <laughs> vote. Like, well, and and actually, I was having this conversation with somebody else the other day. It's like we ask. There's not a better way to do this. I want to start off with this, yes. right? There's, there's not like a clear better way to do this other than to some extent the committee, right? Which even then they're still having to do all this other stuff. But the big thing that you say, right, is that these are a lot of writers who have spent years covering a team years. <laughs> and know usually their team yeah. extremely well. They know their area and conference pretty well. And sometimes nationally... You don't know. They know Bama's good. They know Clemson's good. Right. And, you know, th- that is something that's interesting, right? Because in the coaches' poll, which, same sort of deal, right? People mm-hmm. know their, their teams extremely well, their conferences extremely well, and then it's kind of a mixed bag. So the coaches' poll, 63 of the 65 first-place votes went to Alabama. Mm. And in this one, 47 out of 63 went to Alabama. You saw a little bit more diversity. Six for Oklahoma, six for Clemson, three for Georgia, one for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So... You get a little bit more, and also I think just more people taking chances, and yeah. people like John Wilner kind of just doing their thing. Right. 
But at the same time, it was interesting. I know that Alabama is the defending national champion. I know that you are never going to be called dumb for putting Alabama number one in any year. Right. But it, it does feel like such a safe answer. It really is. Like, it, it, we get it, right? We thought last year was going to be kind of a reload year, and they went in and blew the doors off everybody. Um, but I don't know. This year, I think there's a pretty clear team that's more experienced than them that I think you would be pretty okay putting number one. I and, think it's and Oklahoma. It? It's Oklahoma, yeah. Um, they have arguably the Heisman frontrunner. Yes. Uh, they have they have basically everybody on defense coming back, offense coming back. Um, I don't see – basically what I think this is, and I think we talked about this a little bit um, before, maybe off air, can't remember. I think it might be a little hesitancy to be like to, – to declare Oklahoma – as the as the national title favorite, right? And I get it, right? One hundred percent, we get it, it right? They, they haven't have, won a playoff. They game. haven't. They haven't won a playoff game that we kind of, for better or worse, they've kind of been the similar Oklahoma story in terms of like, oh, the offense and blah blah blah, and the defense is always lag behind. And last yeah. year was kind of the reverse for a little bit, right? Yeah. Offense was kind of struggling. Yeah, first couple games, offense struggled. Defense looked really good. By the end of the year, you're like, this is going to be a team next year. But still, there's still that little hesitancy to be like, uh, are they right. really? So I get it, but I think this was the year to be like, screw it, Oklahoma's number one. Because, I mean, based off returning talent, I don't see a team better than them. Yeah, I think that there are two teams to me that if you're going to take a chance, this is the year. And, and one thing that I will say in general, because mm-hmm. when we put out the magazine, I, I need to count the numbers. I think that a lot of people were like, okay, this is not an Alabama year necessarily because of how much they lost. Also, Alabama has not gone back-to-back in the playoff era because has anybody? I don't think anybody has. Yeah, I don't think anybody um, has. And so, you know, I, I think that people open their minds to not having Alabama as the number one team in our magazine. And so they just kind of defaulted to Clemson. Right, right, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's fair. Again, you are never going to look dumb right. for having done that. Mm-hmm. That's never going to happen. At the same time, I think that Clemson has many of the same questions that Alabama does. And I don't think, I, I mean, Alabama's recruited at the like top one level, right? And and Clemson is recruited right on the edge of that. But right. like, you know, it's not guaranteed. I mean, for me, it's really, I know that running backs don't matter, but like they had a running back who mattered yeah. in both the running and the passing game yep. in Travis Etienne. And defensively, they were good, not amazing last year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I think I think that once you open your mind to the idea of it not being Alabama or Clemson, it makes it a lot easier to be open-minded sure. and put a team like Oklahoma that hasn't won a playoff game. And to me, the team that – I'm not saying that I would necessarily have these guys second, but I think that the team that probably has as good a case as any to be number one or number two is Georgia. Yeah, I was going to say Georgia. This is this – is, I don't want to say make or break year, but this is definitely one of those years where you're like, okay, this could be yeah. a surging year for Georgia. They have JT Daniels coming back. They have now an offense that kind of clicks, which has always been their Achilles heel in the past couple of years. This may be a year – I mean, they've always recruited at a high level, but now it's like, okay, this is one of those crossroads years where Alabama might be reloading a little bit, Georgia might be hitting their experience stride a little bit, and so it might be one of those like – one year shifts, right? Where the Georgia's just like supplants them for maybe a year. But again, um, it's one of it, it. It goes back to kind of you know what have you done for me lately? Show me, right? sure. So yeah, no, it, it's going to be real interesting. So again, Georgia coming in at number five, Ohio State four. I think that they're a very safe playoff team this yep. upcoming year because of what they bring back on offense. Although the defense is 
pretty concerning to me yeah. uh, in terms of being a national title team. And uh, and again, so so AM at six, really the first team out of that. Uh, I, I can't remember who put out the stat. I think it might have been Chris Falco over at ESPN who said every team that's won the national title has started the year in the preseason top six mm. of the AP poll. Well, Texas A&M. There you go. There we go. <laughs> and uh, and I'd kind of it's not a similar situation necessarily to Oklahoma and Georgia who have been doing this for years, mm-hmm. waiting for results. But there's something to that, right? Sure. Where this is quote unquote the down Alabama year, mm-hmm. and so if I, I think it's there for them to go and win the West, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you just kind of have to win that one game at Kyle Fields, the game that you get at home. Um, and and I say just obviously that's the best team huge, yeah, in the history of sport. Huge reason, but or right. huge uh, hurdle, but still. But at the same time, right? That's the path. I think yeah. that they have a very obvious path. And if they go through and go twelve and zero, and even lose to Georgia in the SEC title game, I think that still gets them into the playoff. Sure. So the path is there for Texas A and M. Texas, you know, they're in the twenties like usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they've been ranked. The last four years to start the season, three of those years they finished ranked lower than what they started the season. I think that 21 is probably close to right. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, talking between us, I mean, I, I see them as probably about an 8-4 and four team. Um, and I think that that's still good enough to be in the 20s. Sure. I, I You know, so... so fine <laughs> right, I, was about to say, a, I don't have many arguments with that right right it is it is kind of funny i mean i used to back like a decade ago with my friends when text was actually struggling and not just like you know tom herman struggling right uh they used to just seem it seemed like they started the the season 23 just every year because they're just like <laughs> i don't know let's put texts in there right 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 so this this feels a little like that i would like for them to have been a narrowly miss out team and finish top 25 right which i think could happen you know that's that's not how this the works the fun the fun game i would love to play okay is is texas ranked week 2 <laughs> well they play uh Twenty-one versus twenty-three. Week I was about one. to say we twenty-three. Week one, they yeah. get Lafayette coming to Austin. <laughs> Is Texas ranked heading to Fayetteville? I will say yes, mm-hmm. and I don't feel good about it <laughs> because this just feels like a classic. Like, whoa, this is way harder when we're playing playing live defenders. <laughs> right. Whoa, this is way harder when we're going against a very good. Louisiana offensive line. That's what they were known for. Sure. Uh, a third-year starter, I think, at quarterback mm-hmm. in Levi Lewis. Uh, a lot of really good defenders. Their offensive line coach, just for perspective, you know where he coaches now? Hmm. He's the offensive line coach of the New York Giants. Whew. So this isn't good Pretty for good. Louisiana. Pretty good. <laughs> this is like, oh, yeah. huh, okay. Yeah. That seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. Seems good. Uh, yeah, that'll be a really interesting game. I do think that there's been maybe enough talk about it that sure. Texas might not. Overlook I was about to say, I don't think and they're this ranked. Is, yeah, exactly. They're not going to be. This isn't the game that's going to be like, oh, it's going to be Maryland. It's not going to be Maryland, right? <laughs> right. The past, uh, Tom Herman's first year. Which one? Um, <laughs> years, <laughs> first so, years. So again, TCU at 28. I do think that they're going to be a team that finishes in the top 20 uh, in the postseason AP mm-hmm. top 25 if things go the way that, that we think. Again, Houston, sure, yeah, whatever. Um, I think SMU will be right on the edge of being ranked. They actually were ranked number three in the preseason mm. American mm. Uh, poll, only behind, I mean, <laughs> great team, Cincinnati and UCF. Yep. Uh, I'm probably more leaning that way. They do play TCU early in the season, and I think they probably lose that game. Mm. So that probably 
makes it a little tougher for them to be ranked early in the season. But sure. I think by the end of the season, I can see them being really good. Any other teams that you feel like could be ranked at some point? Oh, man. You mentioned TCU. I mean, that's yeah. the big one for me. Yeah. I think that they're right on the cusp, and I think that's right. That's more or less the narrative is what we talked about uh, last week, was it? when Or two weeks ago, I believe. I can't remember when we did that. Um, it's been a million years. Right, I was about to say. I was about to say. So <laughs> um, I think that's what we're kind of – we're about as weighted as the AP is, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, ah, we can see them busting into, like, you know, top 20, right? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, right now, based off of what we know about them – I'd say it's warranted that they're a little bit behind, right? I'm not going to put them around Coastal or Lafayette or Utah. Right? I mean, they went 6-4 and four last year, which is cool. Exactly. But, but it's know. like, you know, it's a step behind some of these other programs that we're expecting. Um, yeah, Houston, I, I don't see being ranked this year. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I very much respect to, to the Cougs. I love when Houston's good. I don't think it's going to be this year. Well, so. and the thing is, too, because – we went through their schedule a while ago, and yeah. we were like, oh, man, it, it wouldn't be that hard to win sure. nine games. Fair. At the same time, part of the reason that it won't be that hard to win nine games is because they won't play a ranked opponent until November 19th. Yeah. And may, maybe SMU at home on October 30th, which would be a game that I think that they'd lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they host Memphis is the other one on November 19th. And I actually, I mean, how good is Memphis going to be? It's kind of up in the air, right? So they they could legitimately go the whole season without playing a ranked opponent. And so, yeah, it might be cool to win nine or ten games. I just don't know that they'll actually get consideration if they're not going to play Cincinnati or UCF sure. or play anybody in the out-of-conference But then again, lives. you know, some of the, some voters just see 10 wins, Houston, sure. boom, 13th, right? Like, right. they could just come up on this ranking list. So. And and if they go, like, 10 and 2... Right. Yeah, they're going to... Right, obviously, then, they're going to appear here. But. And in the American, even if they don't play a great schedule, if they beat SMU and or Memphis... Sure. That, that might still be enough, yeah. right? I mean, you have to beat Tech, too, in Week 1, for sure, to even be kind of be considered for that, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's mm. going to be an interesting one. It's going to be an interesting one. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into our previews. This is our last one. We've made it through Whew. already. It's Jeez. it's flown by, I'll tell you that. Today we are going to be talking and starting with the Texas Longhorns. We mentioned them. 7-3 and three last season. Obviously a new head coach in Steve Sarkeesian. A new quarterback still yet to be named. Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot of good things about Casey Thompson. Yesterday Hudson Card's running with the ones. Who knows? Bijan Robinson expected to be the start on the offensive side of the ball. And... I'll start with my first burning question here, okay? And I'll start on that offense. Okay. Forget the quarterback, forget Bijan. Does Texas have enough proven options at wide receiver <sighs> for this this offense that was historically good in 2020 at Alabama yeah. to actually work the way it's supposed to? Huh. In year one, no. Okay. I mean, flat out. I don't think so. In year one, it's going to be a feel out kind of deal in terms of the wideout position um i don't know i don't know if we can definitively say we know what jordan whittington is right we kept hearing his name as freshman year injuries kind of derailed his kind of progress and um so i don't know what he's gonna be in the slot josh moore i don't know what he's really gonna be when in a more featured role i just don't see you know, you know, he made jokes about, you know, like when, when Steve Sarkeesian got the job, they like, you know, when Jake Smith was still there, I was like, ah, oh, it's going to be Jake Smith running around, but he's gone now. And we were serious. <laughs> Not even. I was about to say, we were serious about him because he was going to be their, one of their most productive returners. Like <laughs> he was going to be a guy that they relied on. 
And now you're looking at the depth. I mean, this was a question last year, right? This is a question where it's like, was Brendan Eagles going to be that guy? And it's like, "Uh, was Tariq Black going to be that guy? And it's like, now that rolls over into a year where they're even less experienced. And so I – short answer is no. Yeah. Um, Long term – I guess for this year – I guess we're going to see how good of a schemer Sarkeesian is. Sure. Because he's going to have to scheme these guys open, right? There's not going to there's not a there's not a burner here. There's not a guy who you just know is going to get separation cuz he has elite route running ability, right? It's going to be a lot of player development and a lot of scheming these guys open, which I think if we do see some players break out of here, right? I think that's a credit to what Steve Sarkeesian can do and this staff kind of does with this unit cuz this is prop. This is, I think, the weak spot on this offense. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And the thing that I point to is that the names that we hear the most coming out of camp, Josh Moore's a proven commodity. Sure. But once you get past Josh Moore, it's Jordan Whittington, who's a sophomore, but not really. Right. Right. I mean, he has, he's basically hasn't played mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of years, and and he's also hasn't played in run, uh, wide receiver either. Right. <laughs> hasn't played wide receiver. No, I think he's going to be really good. Sure. But then the other names that you hear a lot, Troy O'Mary, who mm-hmm. was considered to be the star last year at camp. Yes. Again, I think he has the potential to be really good. Uh, also, haven't seen him play. We hear a lot about uh, about the freshman that they brought in, Xavier Worthy from California. Mm-hmm. Again, might be really good. Also, never played college football before. Right. And then, you know, Calvante Dixon's another guy. He played a little last year. He's mm-hmm. like the most proven of all these guys outside of Joshua Moore. Right. So, like, if you're saying two years from now... I think they could have an awesome wide receiver room. Yeah. And if you had, I mean, even if you had a guy like Brennan Eagles back mm-hmm. where everybody's kind of able to move down a spot yeah. and you just kind of need one guy to emerge as that surefire third guy. Mm-hmm. Cause I do think that from a scheming perspective, I think Sark's really good uh, in the past game, especially. Yeah. I think at the quarterback position, I don't think they're going to take too much of a step back in the passing game. Mm-hmm. It's the everything else, obviously, where Sam Ellinger was so good, right? It was the run game. It was the making calls at the line. It was reading defense and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actually passing the ball, I, I think that Casey Thompson and Hudson Card can both do it. Sure. But, again, you're, you're asking a lot of a bunch of guys who haven't played college football before, and you're asking them to also do it with a coach who hasn't played against – I mean – I know it's a joke, but like yeah. against the way that Big Twelve defenses play, sure, where you're dropping eight basically every single play, where you're play, you know where you have so much speed uh, in the defensive backfield, where everybody's running base nickel if not base dime at this point, mm-hmm. it's just different. That's not to say that it's harder or easier. It's just different. Yeah. and I think it will take a little bit of time, and I don't know if the receivers will be ready week one, week four when they really have to be. Right. And granted, you know, yes, when Casey Thompson played against Colorado, right, he was throwing to Josh Moore, right? He, yeah. hit, he hit Kelvante Dixon for a big touchdown. He hit, he was throwing to Cade Brewer. He was throwing to Whittington. Avante Woodard was there, right? He, he was throwing to these guys he's going to be throwing to this year, right? Um, I think B. John Robinson might be there and probably will have, like, the second, third most receptions on the team. Like, yeah. you know, it's gonna be, he's going to be a huge weapon for, him, for them, obviously. Um and so we're not saying that there's no they're not capable of, of of production, right? What we're saying is I don't know if you can bank on that this year right away. It's going to be 
you know, Casey Thompson could, or Hudson Card could come out, throw for 300 yards first couple games and be like, oh, look, they're fine. But when it gets to those, you know, the Iowa State game, right, the Oklahoma game, what does that passing game look like when those wide receivers go up against corners who can bump them a little bit, who mm-hmm. aren't going to be, who aren't going to let them run as free? And again, that's where I think the the scheming of Sarkeesian comes into play. This is why they hired a guy like that because when you, if you do have, you know, obviously it's 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 easy to look good with Jalen Waddle and, and and Smith, but and Devontae Smith, but. He was also scheming those guys really open at times, yes. right? They obviously their individual ability, their their quickness, their uh, route running is elite. But he was also scheming those guys in a very smart way. And I'm wondering, to a lesser extent, obviously, what he can do with some guys who aren't as gifted but are still going to be giving similar concepts. So yeah, 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 definitely. What's your first question? All right, so this one's kind of uh, uh, relative because you dropped your uh, 50 Most Important Players article this week, um, players article for the state of Texas. Um, And this guy wasn't on it, but I want you to humor me anyway. Okay. Is Josh Thompson the most important player on this defense? Because you have the name brand guys, right? You have Jamison opposite him. You have Keandre Coburn. You have Demarion Overshown. I think there's one guy on this defense that could make or break a potentially great unit. Mm. I think if Josh Thompson is good to great, this defense could be one of the best in the conference. If he's not so great, which he wasn't at times last year, he was pretty okay. He was good. He was he was able to kind of emerge himself as that uh, one of the reliable starters. But he still got beat in the deep ball quite a bit. Uh, Tylen Wallace kind of picked on him. Vasher kind of picked on him against Tech. I think he's the most pivotal player on this defense. So that's interesting. I I think that there's definitely something to that because of what you said, because mm-hmm. I think at safety, they're kind of looking for a guy. They're sure. looking for a center fielder, yeah. um, especially that free safety spot mm-hmm. where you know, you're going to be playing a lot more in the field, especially in the Big 12, like you said. I mean, teams are trying to beat you deep. Mm-hmm. And so from that perspective, I think there's something to that. The one thing that I will say is that – I am just very curious what this defensive line looks like. Mm. Because if, I I mean, we know Alfred Collins is going to be really good. Yes, We've seen Keandre Coburn in the run game be a dominant force. I want to see it in the pass game a little more. I, I think that probably, I'd say either Josh Thompson, the other guy who I feel like could be that guy is maybe Mora Ojimo. Mm-hmm. On uh, at defensive mm-hmm. end, sure. Because I mean, they're going to be playing a lot of three front, right? They're going to yeah. be playing a lot of odd, and so if you are playing odd, we kind of know what we're going to get from two of those guys. The question is, though, like again, in the, in the pass rush, I feel like that's going to be the big question. I mean, that was one of the reasons that they kind of went a little harder at the four man front for a while mm-hmm. is because they weren't generating pressure as much as they wanted to with a three man system. Mm-hmm. They clearly have the bodies. But, um, but you know, at the same time, I'm just curious how they're going to scheme up. And, and part of this, too, is with, with uh, Pete Kwiatkowski trying to figure out what that front group, okay, I mean, because they are stronger talent-wise on the defensive line than they are at linebacker right now. I'm curious if they kind of try to adjust to that, whether they try to, you know, bring in more guys as stand-up guys. I, I have no idea how they're going to try and kind of adjust when their first plan goes wrong. Mm-hmm. 
I do think, though, that Josh Thompson is going to be critical because of that, because I don't know that they have that surefire pass or a uh, pass rusher. Sure. And so because of that, I mean, yeah. And, and they also might ask him to play in different places, too. That's another big thing. I mean, and you're, you see that again across the Big 12 right now is a lot of guys are being asked to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's Josh Thompson and really the, just all the guys at, a, at safety. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that we saw how poorly they use Caden Stearns mm. his, the last two years of his career. Mm-hmm. That can't happen this time around. Sure. And, and from that perspective, I do think that he is critical. Yeah. And I got one. I have one stat that I think uh, Pro Football Focus rattled off. Yeah. Uh, Josh Thompson. So, again, he, he was able to really establish himself as a rotational guy after kind of falling out the year before. Uh, but again, he did get beat deep quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He got beat seven, seven times in zone for fifteen or year, fifteen or more. Oh my gosh, that is nuts! Seven times. Seven times. That is that's mark territory. <laughs> yeah, that's the like that's the oh, the opposing OC. That's right, the right, mark. Right. Like, <laughs> like you, you see, see that guy run right fly. Like that's that's point him out and woo woo. You know, it's, 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 it's wide receiver throws the hand up. Like, it's the Randy Moss before he even breaks his cut. His, his hand's up in the air. Like, that's getting to that turn. No, but 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 you get what I'm saying, right? Where it's right, like, right. you can't have a guy that gets beat in zone mm-hmm. that in much. Zone. I mean, so. and, and that's the thing, too, right? Like, they were only playing zone. Right. Like, to, to be in that bad a position. Right. Yeah, that's, who that's that's pretty brutal. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. I won't yeah. lie. But, um, yeah, no, I think that... And, and I, th- I feel like there's a lot of optimism that you hear from camp about sure. what that defensive backfield could be. And Jamison, totally proven piece. Still that second corner. We're still trying to work some things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that safety help, I mean, that can really help ease along the growing process. So sure. it'll be really important. And, hey, listen, guys grow up and they get older and they get better at football. 100%. So, like so. I said, he was out of the rotation two years ago, right? right. He had 11 tackles right. 2019, 28, right? He just just from sheer production, right? Like he got back into the team and he's he's good to go now, you know? So Yeah. It'll be really interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, so my third question. Who will end up in year one? Because a lot will happen in the next couple of years. But mm-hmm. in year one. Who ends up being the more impactful coordinator? Who? Pete Kwiatkowski, mm-hmm. kind of changing things up defensively. Or Kyle Flood, obviously being offensive coordinator, not being the play caller, mm-hmm. but really being that dude yeah. on the offensive line. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's going to be Pete Kwiatkowski. Yeah. Um, he is the play caller. So he, he, is, right, right. he is the play caller. But also, like, I just think he has, I mean, he has the track record. Right, I mean, Kyle Flood obviously has the track record as, as the offensive line coach. Um, he was about as good of a head coach as Rutgers can have, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, turns out it could be worse. Right, um, and so, but he he's a pro- he has a proven track record as a good offensive uh, line coach and a good kind of just in general guy to have around. Right, he's a very capable assistant slash head coach. Um, but Pete Kwiatkowski, he more or less made Washington what it is. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Chris Peterson had a big hand in that as well, recruiting the West and how he established that, but they anchored on that defense, right? Yeah. And if he can bring that consistency, because that's always been the issue, right? It's been player development and consistency with defense. Todd Orlando came in, looked really good, right? First year, people bought in, uh, understandably, uh, and – 
then the player development kind of faltered, so therefore the defense faltered, and he was the odd guy out in the end. If Pete Kwiatkowski can, I don't want to say replicate Washington because it's hard, right? They're recruiting in a much tougher landscape. It's just a, it's apples to oranges in terms of scenarios. But if he can bring that credibility to Texas's defense, and I think he has the guys to do it year one, or at least to flash a lot of what they should expect on that unit. I think he, I think he's the one because ultimately, I think for Kyle Flood, I mean, the offense is going to fall on Sarkeesian. Right. And I think that if the offense doesn't work year one, they're not going to be looking at Kyle Flood, right? (laughs) They're going to be looking at the guy that was brought in to call and run the plays. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be really interesting. I mean, the question does become uh, if things do go wrong, which I don't expect that they're going to go, especially in offense play calling. uh, How how soon until you get uh, until I don't know what Steve Sarkeesian's version of Tim Beck. I was was just about to say Tim Beck where it's like, (laughs) ah, that guy. Yeah. Actually, it's been a collaborative play calling process. Um, I, it's not I thank Tim Beck for his years of service here. At and, Texas. Uh, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, cool. Yeah, no. He's going to be Kyle Flood quarterback coach. No. And, and that is one thing, right, where I do expect a different level of accountability for Steve Sarkeesian. Sure, sure. Because, one, we've seen this movie before. <laughs> Very right? much like, so. I don't think that that. I mean, I don't know another word to call them bullshit. I don't think that's going to work, right? <laughs> because we we just lived it. Right we, right. we heard it. We saw it. You can't repeat these same things. And if the offensive schematics are an issue, and if the play calling is an issue, mm-hmm. it's it's just you can't. I want to meet the guy that says, Kyle Flood <laughs> shakes his fist. <laughs> when, when the RPO concepts don't work, it's like, oh, fire Kyle Flood. <laughs> Jeff Banks getting in Sark's ear. <laughs> like, it's Sark's offense. I don't want the tight ends too much. <laughs> Man. So it'll be interesting. It'll yeah. be interesting. I, but I, I do think I agree. I do think it's going to be uh, – I, I do think it's going to be Kwiatkowski. I almost said Chris Peters because mm-hmm. I, just, I just got Washington on the brain. Right. But, uh, but I do think it's going to be that – I think that long-term mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot closer because I do think that Kyle Flood is – considered to be that level of mm. offensive line coach 100%, 100%. Um, he's the type of offensive line coach that you go to yeah he's the type of offensive line coach that they're like what if you were a head coach right right <laughs> i mean that's what kind of offensive line coach you're talking uh, you see all these guys being drafted from alabama evan neal seems to be the next guy up at alabama like these are all guys that kyle mm. flood brought in so it'll be interesting i mean I, I think that the biggest thing that you can say about this staff is that i think that they'll have a lot of chemistry because several of them have worked together I think that all of them know Steve Sarkeesian, whether it's obviously working with him at Alabama or other places or just being very familiar with him uh, by coaching near him. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, is that just through this whole process, I remember I remember with uh, probably more of the Charlie Strong years. Where it just felt like it was like, okay, we're, let's just bring along the guys, right? Right. And it was like, it was, you know, it worked over here. Let's bring that exact same thing right. over here. And it's and, not how it works. And with, uh, with Sarkeesian, and part of this is him not being a head coach. I think that's an advantage in some ways. Mm-hmm. But you really got to see him say, I want this guy. Yeah. I want this guy. I want the Montana State coach. Right. He's yeah. going to be my linebacker's coach, and, and we're going to make him not say no. I want, uh, I'm trying to think of a, you know, I want Jeff Banks. Right. He's one of the best recruiters in the nation. He's mine, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's a real credit to one Sarkeesian, but also sort of 
I, I think it's a good statement to the state of the athletic department that he kind of was just able to do his thing. Other than that weird, uh, you know, Mike Stoops thing where everybody got mad. But other than that, other than that, <laughs> I, I think it made a lot of sense. What are you talking about? It didn't happen. He's not on the staff. You see, nothing. It was It was never a thing. <laughs> that was the one time that you heard people be like, Steve. <laughs> Steve. Hey, <laughs> no. Hey, man. How about not? <laughs> that, that ain't gonna fly. That ain't gonna fly. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm trying to save you from yourself. <laughs> I told you not to get staff recommendations from Lincoln Riley. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Lincoln yeah. Riley's like, yeah, and no, I'll take it, man. It's great. He'd be a great addition. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mike Stoops is still an off-field assistant at Alabama. Yeah. It's just crazy stuff. Hey, he, man, he can just, you know, that's that's coach rehab. Checks, you, just, you just bury your head and just... I don't know, point a clicker at a screen, whatever Nick wants you to do something, and then you'll get a job. So What a life. Yeah. What a life. Yeah. Well, let's we, go ahead we and – got through Texas without talking about Bichon. That is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about him too much this offseason, man. We get it. Bichon's- Heisman. Heisman. No, <laughs> Bichon's going to be really good. And you talk about – I mean, this this segment is burning questions, right? Yeah. I don't got questions oh, about Bichon. I was Bichon. about to say, I don't know. I don't like, have a single question about Bichon. I mean, he's going to rush for – 1,200 yards. Right. He's going to have some huge games. He's gonna probably going to catch for, like, 600 yards. Right. Like <laughs> There's going to be, like, two games that he gets bottled up because, like, the entire defense is just going to be, like, Bichon's. We don't care be. about Josh Moore that much. Right. Just <laughs> right. box in, yeah. And, uh, no, and, and I do think the one thing that's going to be interesting, and maybe the, the half question that I'll ask real quick, mm-hmm. is that do you think that Bijan, a guy who has never carried the ball more than 20 times in his career, basically – um, including in high school, he wasn't a twenty carry per game guy. Sure. He was he was a spark plug. Yeah. Do you think? Are you worried about that? Fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's gigantic, by the way. He's so huge. I, yeah, I was yeah. about to say. So I mean, it could be just like it's not the punishment, right? Right. Exactly. So yeah, no. It, I mean, it's a legitimate question because I mean, you had a guy who kind of needed the game to come to him last year, right? We all people always talk about, and myself included, we're like, oh, why wouldn't her? the ball more blah blah, blah. <laughs> and Bijan robinson like openly said like yeah you know in november i was definitely seeing the game a lot better than i was in october or september um and so yeah is is he a guy that just naturally acclimates himself to the increase in workload and just like you know what i can he can adjust to that or is it someone that's like you know like you mentioned he's not used to 25 30 yeah. potentially 30 carries and that's going to be the type of season they have because they don't have a lot of other reliable weapons elsewhere there's a reason why you know, he had he was only featured so much towards the end of last year, but obviously in really good uh, stints. But everybody's talking about him being like the catalyst of this offense this <laughs> right. year out of that little production. So right, right, right. We're the Republican Football Podcast. You can find our work at TexasFootball.com. Like I mentioned, we do have a piece up right now on the 50 most important players in Texas. It's one of the bigger undertakings that we do every year because people don't like to hear it. There's a lot of good football players in the state of Texas. A whole lot of good football players. Big if true. <laughs> Big if true. We have players from all levels of NCAA football. We've got D3, D2, uh, FCS, and uh, FBS. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I should probably know what FBS is, being a college football reporter. Uh, but our top 10 released on Monday. Number one on the list, Sincere McCormick from UTSA getting my mentions about it i will ignore you and uh yeah it's but it's a lot of fun to go through and again it's critical to mention we this is the most important player list Mm -hmm. this is not just the best player list i mean it would be a different list if it was just the best player list. but it's it is guys like like you mentioned who will be critical to their team success it'll be 
guys who uh, can make a breaker unit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Max Duggan's number three on our list. It's not, I mean, we don't have to get into Max Duggan discourse. Right. It's not just because I think that he's going to be the best quarterback in Texas, right? It's because I think that whether or not he is, whether or not he reaches his ceiling mm-hmm. is critical to whether TCU is barely a bowl team right. or like in the Big 12 title game. Both, both are 100% in play, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. uh, And by the way, I don't think we ever do it. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star re- review on Apple Podcasts. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's easy to get lost in the middle of these things and get to the end and be like, oh, yeah, should have told people that you should keep listening to this podcast. <laughs> but keep listening to this podcast. Make sure and leave a review. We're going to move on now to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So Texas A&M, fresh off of a 9-1 season, a trip to the Orange Bowl, a win in the Orange Bowl over some guy named Mac Brown. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if, if uh, A&M fans yeah, with that know. guy. Uh, new quarterback, still the, the battle's still open, but a lot of proven guys on this team. At running back, Isaiah Spiller, potentially an All-American. On the defensive line, Marvin Leal, already been on a bunch of All-America lists. There's real talent on this team, I mean, you know, we, when we talk about Alabama-level talent, when we talk about Ohio State-level talent, Georgia-level talent, you're talking about a bunch of guys being drafted in the first two or three rounds. And Matt Moore from Bleach Report a few months ago, I actually never cross-checked exactly who was on the list, but in his top 100 players, has seven A&M guys in the top 100, right? Man. So yeah. this is this is not good for A&M. <laughs> right. this, is, this is, oh, okay, this is like a year. Right. And part of it is that it's a culmination year, but part of it is also this is a year. Mm-hmm. This, this is a really good team. This is a team that over the past couple of years has really raised its level of talent and actually, I think, developed talent at a really high level in a way that I don't think that we talk about enough. Sure. So with that said, Ish, what is your first burning question about Texas A&M? All right. I got, I'm just going to go right into it. We avoided the obvious storyline with Texas's offense, not talking about Bijan. I'm going right into Hayden's King. Is this too much pressure on a freshman quarterback because you have obviously we're t- we're all, they're on the damn cover of our magazine <laughs> there's national title implications here number six preseason we have alabama in a quote-unquote down year right the sec is for as open as the sec can get right <laughs> there's still like a big asterisk with that but you're not going to get Alabama breaking in new quarterbacks and wide receivers and playmakers everywhere, new OCs. So this is about as open as the SEC could possibly get for them. And we're all saying, with the caveat of, yeah, if they can, if Haynes King is the guy, it's a big year, right? They have the offensive line, they have the wide receivers, they have the or probably not the wide receiver, they have the tight end more <laughs> specifically. They have the offensive line, uh, they have the defense. If they can just get the quarterback to work, all for a guy whose big college contribution so far has been a garbage time drive against Alabama. But he scored against Alabama, man. But he scored against Alabama. Sure, fair enough. But is this too much pressure on Haynes King coming in? Well, I mean, it would probably help if AM could find a coach who took a redshirt freshman and put him into a team the year after winning the Orange Bowl and finishing okay. as a top 10 team in the country okay. in his fourth season, I by the way. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Okay. Which, of course, Jimbo Fisher did at Florida State. Yes. All that said, the reason that I'm not too worried about it is 
I'll com- I mean, not to compare it to Texas, right? But mm-hmm. with Texas, I think that you need great quarterback play mm-hmm. to make up for their deficiencies elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Whereas with A&M, I will say the receivers need to be a lot better than they've been really any year since Jimbo Fisher has gotten here. I, mm-hmm. I have not been impressed so far with how they've how their receivers have played. Right. Uh, the talents are clearly there. We've seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they can just have a couple guys at receiver, especially with Caleb Chapman coming back, I don't think you need too much from him okay. to be a team that can compete for the SEC. Mm-hmm. To be a national title contender, you probably need Haynes to be like close to All-America level. Sure. I don't think that's the bar for me. I think the bar is just to be a playoff team. Okay. Um, or, or at least really, really close to being a playoff team. I mean, well, they were really, really close last year. Now, the bar, yeah. the bar is... For them to have a really successful season, they need to be a playoff team. They need mm-hmm. to at least be right there. You know, whether it's whether it's Alabama goes thirteen and zero and they're kind of the next team in, or whether it is they make the the SC title game. I think that they probably sure. need to feel like that's happening. I mean, to ha- to have it truly be a successful year, you probably do need to beat Alabama this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not because it's fair to ask that. Right. It's just because. That's the is. next step, right? You went right. nine and one, and you lost to Alabama. Yeah, what's the next step? You got to beat Alabama. Beat right? Alabama, make the playoff. Like, and so, all that to say, I, I think that they can be dang close to reaching their goal, mm-hmm. even if Haynes King is only okay, um, because of what they have elsewhere mm. at running back on the offensive line. They do replace guys, but you have maybe the best offensive lineman in America in Kenyon Green. That's a good place to start. That's a good place to start. (laughs) He's going to be playing left tackle heading forward. None of us are concerned about that, which maybe it's a fair thing to ask about, but none of us are concerned about it. Uh, You have four guys coming in. You added the transfer from uh, from Tennessee. I think Jameer Johnson's the one who came in uh, from Tennessee who's Mm going to be playing likely right tackle. And you recruited very well. And and also, I mean, the moment they brought in Josh Henson as offensive line coach, Everything has changed. Mm. They have recruited at a higher level, and they've developed at a much higher level. Yeah, these guys this past year who put together A and M's great offensive line, their Joe Moore Award finalist offensive line. None of these guys. One of these guys is playing in the NFL, mm. or, or was drafted into the NFL. I'll say. Right. These were not great talents. Sure, sure. They were guys who were well coached, who developed well enough who played very well together, who probably didn't have the upside of being elite SEC mm-hmm. offensive lineman outside of Dan Moore, who, again, was a fourth-round pick. Mm-hmm. And so now you have guys coming in who are the opposite. They're guys who are inexperienced, have been well-coached, but also probably have the potential to play in the NFL and be NFL draft picks. Gotcha. So from that perspective, I feel like you have the pieces to where you can withstand Haynes King. And we, we have to mention... Haynes King has not won the job. It could be Zach Calzada. Fair enough. We assume it's going to be Haynes King, one, because he was the primary backup last year. Two, because we've seen Haynes King play, and guess what? He's really good at football. football, And three, as I've mentioned time and time again, if you made a quarterback in a lab to start at Texas A&M, you would make Haynes King. Right. The coach's son from Longview, Texas, who won a state championship for the first time in 80-plus years. It's just, it's picture perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is picture perfect. Right. Uh, in fact, is uh, I, I can't remember if it was now or whether it's soon that that John King, his dad, is going to be president of the Texas High School Coach Association. I think it was very recently. It was, he was re- like a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you brought in 
John King's son. Right, right. Like, it's, you can't write that. Yeah, I was about to say, you can't get more, like, storybook right. uh, Texas football, just right. culture. <laughs> you you won a state title at Longview for the first time since, what was the year? It was 1930-something. Something, yeah, something it was like, like 30, that. Three, something like that. Right. Now you're going to a program that hasn't won a national title since 1939. You cannot write this. Yeah. If this doesn't work, then you know what? I'm throwing away all my Disney movies. <laughs> then what are we doing here? <laughs> but, but all that to say, all that to say. I, and I'm not saying that this is the year. Right. right? Because like I talked about, I mean, this, right. this is the year that I think you have to get to being title caliber. Haynes King is Matt Saracen if Matt Saracen was good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's it's – you wrote this whole deal, right? Yeah, like yeah. this, I, I don't know how to say that. Either. He's a he, he's sunshine, man. He's right. coming in in the Titans and yeah. being like, oh, this is like the the new kid who's coming in, and like you know, everybody's like, who is this kid? And it's like, oh, whoa, we can throw a football, man. Yeah. And then they go in a and win a, a championship or whatever, yeah. you know. But. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. Pick whatever movie you want. I don't right. really care. But uh, but this is the storybook situation, right? And um, and yeah, he did win the backup job last year. He was the first guy in off the bench against Alabama sure. and whenever they went up in game. So I feel pretty good that Haynes King's going to be the guy. But, right. I mean, so I, th- I think that he just has to be good enough. It is a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. but I think that the one thing, too, that I'll say, I, I keep saying one thing when obviously I'm saying many things, but something that I'll say is that being the quarterback in Longview, Texas, I'm not saying that it prepares you to be at Texas A&M because mm-hmm. that's another level. Fair. I mean, he's yeah. 100%. If he wins the title, he's going to be on the cover of magazines, right? right? Maybe even this one. Yeah. So this is different pressure, but at the same time, like he's he's used to going through everyday life with everybody looking at you. Mm. Where you're not only the quarterback of the football team, you're the coach's son. Everybody remembers when you were five years old mm-hmm. and running around. And everybody said since you were young, you're going to be the star quarterback. And then he did it. Right. So I, I'm not super concerned about that pressure getting to him. I, I think that Haynes King, again, is is lab made mm-hmm. to have been the quarterback of Texas A&M. And that doesn't mean that I think he's going to be awesome in year one. I think that he might struggle a little bit. Uh, he's a little bit of a gunslinger, especially relative to Kellen Mond. Mm-hmm. I, and Jimbo Fisher's system is really hard. But I do think that he has the talent to, whether it's in year two or year three, to be like a really special player. And he just has to be good enough in right. year one. Sure, sure. So, moving on to my first question. We talk so much about Texas A&M's defense, and for good reason. You look at these guys that we put on the cover of the magazine. A couple of defensive linemen, a really good safety, mm-hmm. uh, an experienced cornerback. All that said, they were an elite, 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 elite rush defense, and they were fine against the pass. <laughs> Do they have another level in the pass defense or... Because, I mean, a lot of these same guys are still going to be starters. Sure, it's sure. not necessarily a whole bunch of new talents coming in. But yeah. between Miles Jones coming back for his sixth season, I think it is, between Jalen Jones getting older and better, Damani Richardson being healthier, and obviously with a pass rush that should continue to develop to the level that their rush defense has been, mm-hmm. does this team have like a championship-level gear to hit in the pass defense? So my question there is, I'll answer it with another question. Do they need one in terms of championship level secondary? Because I think, I think their pass rush defense potentially could 
I don't want to say supplant the need for that, but maybe give them enough. Because I want to say PFF has them as a roughly, roughly top five pass rush okay. unit in the country. And so we kind of answered this question last time with, with Josh Thompson in Texas and kind of them needing kind one of secondary. Right, about, about, yeah, one or the other. I think Texas A&M has one. I feel really confident in that pass, defense, uh, pass rush defense. And so I don't think they have to be championship level in terms of like a truly elite unit, right? I think they could be pretty – I think they can get – they obviously need to be better than fine in the pass in, – in the secondary in the back end. But I think if they get from fine to good, I think they're good. I think they're fine. I really do. I think that th- that's enough to anchor that unit's quote-unquote weak side if they just get from fine to good because I think teams are going to be running from DeMarvin Leal and Michael Clemens, right? And so I wonder – I wonder if they need to be that elite unit that that uh, to be to really hit their ceiling, right? Sure. No, and, and I think that's a fair question. I think that probably what I need to see is one of the past defense go from very good to great. Sure. Or I will say, I mean, we're expecting that to be Demarvin Leal. Yes. Right. He's been, he was great last year. We're expecting him to hit, him to hit another gear. Right. We're expecting a lot, some of these guys to. You know, and there comes some risk with that, too, because mm-hmm. there could be DeMarvin Leal just kind of stays great, right? Doesn't right. really hit that elite level. I mean, that Bobby Brown's gone. Bobby Brown's we gone. We expect uh, McKinley Jackson to step in. He's mm-hmm. dealing with some, you know, issues right now, too. Sure. Uh, and he's also a true sophomore. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, we are expecting, I think, a lot of guys on the interior, especially, to take steps mm-hmm. to maintain and grow on. Because I think if if you say that their defensive line is exactly the same in quality from last year to this year. I think that's great. I don't know if that's enough. Sure, 100%. Um, it's enough to, to be as good as they were last year. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be clear, right? But like for them to take that step towards, we can beat Alabama. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know the funny thing about all of this is that... And, and why don't I use this to transition into the third question? Yeah. So I feel like in a funny way, last year, A&M, they definitely got a lot better from 19 to 20. But I almost, in a weird way, feel like they didn't quite take a step as much as they were just, like, really, really good and just a little more consistent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they still have a step left to take. Sure. Like, I, I, feel, like, I feel like they were still very good. So, so I guess that's my question is, yeah. does this team and does this program have another step that's unrealized? Yeah. I agree with that. Because <clears throat> watching them last year, it seemed like it seemed like a lot of the same beats from 2019 that right. just went their way. Yeah, right. You had a very bad start against Vanderbilt. Right, looked ugly. Then they go and get shellacked by Bama. Okay, yeah. just like last, just like 20, just like right. years before. Then they have an impressive win. And then they kind like <clears throat> South Carolina was an impressive win was a was a good you know dominating win. They don't really have like a full on oh wow moment to me after that Florida game. Yeah, I think they're good. Yeah. You know, LSU wasn't a very pretty win. They no. they they controlled it. They, I never really that thought that game was in doubt, but it was fine. You look back at the year before Auburn. Close loss, right? 
Shellacked by Bama, sure. Impressive against Mississippi State. Dominate UTSA, you know, close against Georgia. Games just went their way, mm-hmm. right, in 2020. I do think that there is a level, because when you get to that level of Bama, Clemson, even Georgia to a certain extent, you get to that level where you just flex your talent. Yeah. Right. And there are those games where you just put your foot on the gas and there's like there you realize there's another level to college football. Right. You get when when Florida was hitting their stride uh, before they lost to Bama, Florida looked like one of those teams. You're like, oh, man, they're really looking like they have something here. That's what was so impressive about uh, and beating them because they had athletes that were able to match that level of of, um, uh, execution. And I think that this year needs to kind of be that year. Yeah, because we know they have the talent to do that, and I think it's been we've. And again, I don't know if it's just the way Jimbo Fisher's teams play, because this was literally how he did it at Florida State too. Sure. Um, the year they won the national title, Florida State was obviously impressive, but the next year when they were number one wire to wire until they lost to Oregon, they looked pretty bad. Right mm-hmm. at times, they looked like a team that was just number one because they were number one the year before. And so I don't know if it's just a. a, a, a uh, after effect of his system and how he kind of wins games that it's always going to be kind of this methodically slow suffocating process or if this team isn't hitting a gear right so I agree with you I long story short I definitely agree with you that I think this program does have to hit that stride because again look at the top three teams the past couple of years even uh, I'll even throw Oklahoma in their top four I'll say they all have those wins where you're like, we can't beat this team. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. every single one right. of them have like at least right. three of those games a year where you're just like, you're not. You're. It's just like you, by the end of the first <laughs> oh, quarter, brother. <laughs> right? Exactly. By the end of this it, first, even qu- including against teams of that quality, right? Like 2019 LSU versus Oklahoma. Yes. Right? Where, where it's just like, holy crap! What do I do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't stop this. Right. And so. There hasn't been that game yet for no, a, for, uh, for A and M, and I th- again I think they have the capability of yeah, doing which is that. a testament I think to what we think they can be right exactly I think that I mean they I think they should be able to do that against Mississippi State right I think they right. should be able to do that against the Vanderbilts right yeah it was the first game of the year so whatever but but you get my point there should be those games where you look back and like. By the end of the first quarter, Vanderbilt's going, Jesus, like, we can't compete with, we can't block DeMarvin Leal, we can't guard this guy, right? And so, yeah, I think that this year is going to be, we talk about this year being a, you know, kind of a culmination year in general, but I think when you look at it, I think there is a moment here that there's a moment to, to really hit something in stride. And obviously they don't get Vanderbilt this year, but they get Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's going to be that chance for them. I think uh, Colorado is going to be that chance for them right away, right off the bat. Uh, South Carolina, I mean that program. And South like Carolina it. was that game last year. To sure, some sure, extent, yeah, exactly. They, they, yes, they yes. just smacked them in the face, but also South Carolina was awful, right? right. And so, and so I want to see them do it uh, for sure. And and I will say, this is one a, a testament to the fact that they won. Every game after Florida by double digits, right? Like sure. this was these games were not close, mm-hmm. but it also was very much like okay, they they accomplished the task. Let's go home, right? right? And it, it was very Again, much like that. Uh, the LSU game uh, right. was never in doubt, never right? in doubt. But you were just like, why are they kind of playing with their <laughs> right. food a bit, right? right? Why were they waiting for LSU to seemingly lose the game? It felt like right and. I'll go back to 2019 as well. The reason why the reason why we know there's another gear to hit mm-hmm. is because of games like 
against number one Clemson. Right. Mm-hmm. Because of games that they lost to Auburn, where it's like, oh, so they're there with these teams, right? Bama, again, sure, whatever. Put Bama to the side. But they're there with these ranked teams since right. 2019. Right. And it's like, okay, now that we know you can compete with those teams, separate yourself further from the pack behind you. Right. So, and and I will point to... 2012 Florida mm-hmm. State. Okay, they go 12 and two. Uh, they beat Clemson, who was top ten in the country at that point by 12 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, the week after that, they play South Florida to within two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They lose by one point to North Carolina State. They uh, play Miami, who wasn't very good at that point. That might be Al Gold in Miami at that point. Right. Within two touchdowns, they play Virginia Tech within six points. They, uh, you, you know, Maryland. They play pretty well. They go and lose by double digits at Florida. And yeah. like, so it's just one of those things where it's like. You won these games. You clearly should have won these games, mm-hmm. and you did. You you did what you were asked to do. Right. But like, uh, even the even the AC title game, they won that year over uh, Georgia Tech by six points. Mm-hmm. Right. Where, where it's just like, okay, you did it. Yeah. You you reached the goals that were set out for you, and then the next year, I was about to say the next year, the next year, <laughs> there. Oh, oh my gosh! I I just looked at the schedule and I saw that they beat Idaho eighty to fourteen. Yes. No, because I, I remember vividly. I remember that Clemson game at Clemson. Yeah. Clemson. That was one of the at the time that was the yeah. biggest game in Clemson history. Yeah. And they came out and just nuked them. <laughs> like, floor, that game was over after right. four drives. And, and so just just to go through the scores, okay? Um, they played relatively close game where it was only 48-34 at Boston College, right? Yes. Uh, just going through the games. At Pitt, 41-13. Nevada, 62-7. Bethune-Cookman, 54-6. Maryland, 63-0. Yeah. At Clemson, 51-14. Yeah. <laughs> and number three, Clemson. Yes. Uh, North that was Carolina the Taj, State. Uh, Taj Boyd? I think that was the Taj Boyd team. I think, I think so. Yeah. Sammy yeah. Watkins team. Or, yeah. d- so, or Nuke, I think. I very good. Yeah. Very good. Uh, North Carolina State, 49-17. Miami, 41-14. Number seven, Miami. Yeah. Uh, Wake Forest, 59-3. Syracuse, 59-3. Idaho, 80-14. to Yeah. Florida. Who, again, they lost it by, by double digits the year before. 37-7. to <laughs> Duke in the ACC... Rank Duke, Duke. Was, Rank Duke was in the oh my gosh what a what a world in the ACC championship game <laughs> right forty five to seven yeah so like we know and then obviously they win the national title but like um, <laughs> yeah we, they do. yeah 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 so there's there is another level to Jimbo's yes. teams yes and we've seen it happen and right. we know like this is the standard that we have because this mm-hmm. is this is literally Jimbo's crowning achievement mm-hmm. right he had his quarterback his hand-picked quarterback he had an experienced scores team are so dumb right <laughs> these scores are insane where they just come out and set the world on fire and that's kind of what we're waiting to see A&M do because we know that's what again that's what that's that's the level that you need to win a national title right that's what bama does that's what clemson does that's what ohio state does to a lesser extent that's what oklahoma does and that's what we're waiting to see yeah because we're again we, no more 17 to 12s against vanderbilt right like <laughs> they beat back to back acc opponents in back to back weeks by a combined 118 to 6. Right. <laughs> and again, <laughs> SEC is better than that. So sure. Yes. But the point is, th- so th- th- I'm telling you, I've, I vividly remember the hype. It was yeah. a college game day the, the at Clemson, at number three Clemson. I think yep. it was number five or four Florida State at the time. Yep. 
And I vividly remember, oh, God, the Dabo coming down from the entrance, so Clemson, it's rocking. And then five drives in, that game is over. over. <laughs> that game is over. over. And it's and, like, and oh, this, okay. None of this is right. Because there's an aspect, too, right, where, where there are certain coaches, there are certain staffs, there are certain styles of play sure. where – when it gets away, you just run up the score. Sure. That's not what this team did. No. Right? And that's that's not what we're asking them to do, right? Oh, no, God, no. We're not asking and, them. Yeah, no. We're not asking them to keep Haynes King in the fourth quarter when you're up 40, right? We're exactly. asking them to – I mean, these early, again, where it's like – it doesn't seem like they're playing with their food, yeah. right? Where it's not like, ah, you know, we're just – we like the score 20 to 7. Right. right, and we're just and we can't. We're, good with we're kind of messing up our own drives, and we can't score any more than that. But they're also not scoring I, either. So I want you to play South Carolina and Arkansas in back to back weeks, and not go forty two thirty one and forty eight three. I want both those games to be forty eight three. Right, that's that's what the expectation is, and and again, I wouldn't be setting like. We're not doing this with the with the I don't want to throw shade. We're not doing this with the Texas Tech preview. Right. We're like what we're looking for is for you to win and win right. right. Like, but this is just because we think that this team could be this good because we think that they could be nationally good. Yes, and and that is the level that they have to be. That, right? Yeah. If that, they want to beat Bama, which again you talked about, that's the step for this team. Yep. If they want to beat Bama, this is how you beat Bama. This that is how you t- beat Bama. That's this style and this aggression and this kind of assertiveness. And we've talked about it repeatedly, but this is a year where Bama is rebuilding to some extent. Again, there's only so much rebuilding that Bama does. But Bama's rebuilding. Clemson is breaking in a whole bunch of new pieces. Ohio State has a brand new defense and a brand new quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like... This is the year that it's open. Yep. This is the year that college football is open. And by the way, uh, it's worth noting that Georgia is having a hell of a time trying to manage its wide receiver injuries. And apparently Tyke Smith, maybe their best defensive player, is going to be out probably for the game against Clemson. So, hey, guess what? (laughs) If this team is not... If this Georgia team isn't as good as maybe they should be, Mm -hmm. as they were projected to be, and also just because of injuries, if they're not... Uh, hey, A&M, man, <laughs> there is a once-in-a-generation once in opportunity here. I, well, actually, I can't even say that. It's literally once-in-a-century opportunity mm-hmm. because that's the last time that they played for a national title was 1939. And that's what kind of opportunity I feel like is in front of Texas A&M because you are going to lose seven players at least to the NFL draft. This this is a culmination year in a way that I don't think other teams have a culmination year. So. Sure. All that to say, this is going to be a very fun season yeah. for Texas A&M. This is, I mean, there's so much to talk about with this. And, like, I mean, again, we, get to, we didn't even mention the backfield, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many, like, mm-hmm. there's so many different things that are interesting about this team. And we just kind of had to, the reason why we went so kind of, like, big picture with it is because, like, you're kind of, this is at the phase where you're looking right. at the big picture of what the trajectory of the program is. Yeah, if you, if you are saying who's going to start next to Aaron Hansford, You've already lost. <laughs> right, you know that's right. that's not right. what the conversation should be. We can we can have conversations certainly about, hey man, do they do they have a wide receiver who's going to be able to be explosive next to Caleb Chapman? Those are real fair, questions. That's, that's fair but question. If right. if we are in week three or mm-hmm. week four and still asking that question, then like it's a problem. It's <laughs> that's a problem. A problem. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. Anyway, whew, man, that A preview ran real long. <laughs> uh, Again, we got a lot to say about Texas A&M because we think that they can be so good. Yeah, um, it's going to be a really exciting year, both with Texas and Texas A&M. 
Check out all of our previous previews of every other team. We we did everybody in FBS. If you if you need your rice fill, we got mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. We got you covered. If you need your UTEP fill, you know that I got you. <laughs> but uh, thanks as always to everybody for listening to us. You can find our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. Become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Now is the perfect time to become a subscriber. Get the magazine mailed to you. Get it in the mail real quick before the season starts so you can make sure and keep up with your upcoming team and your upcoming opponents. It'll be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great year. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us, and we'll be back with you guys again next week.